A good Friday morning. Welcome into In Focus on News Radio KMAN. It's the last, well, not quite the last Friday of the month, but uh, the fourth Friday of the month, and that means it's RCPD Day here on the program. Two guests joining us in the studio. Uh, Captain Josh Kyle is uh, here on my left. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Thanks for having us again. You bet. Tyler Siefkis is also here, and he is the uh, Communications Center Manager, correct? Correct. Okay. Nice to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, looking forward to learning more about what the police department has going on here for the next hour. And uh, if you've got any questions or concerns you'd like to address, you can certainly give us a call here at 785-537-1350. Nick McNamara producing things here for us as well. And uh, it is Grow Green Match Day. I wore green today, as you can see, uh, kind of on purpose, but uh, it was clean. So... uh, (laughs) You know, it's uh, it's a great day for the community here. Lots of money being raised, and uh, I know RCPD is kind of involved with that as well with a scholarship fund. Yeah, I think everybody knows what uh, Go Green Match Day is, but I'm just going to spell it out anyway. When you donate to uh, your cause, I think there's 70 different organizations that are included in there through the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. Uh, your donation is matched up to a certain amount, and so it's a great way to double the amount of money your 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 donation power to any organization. So RCPD is on there. Uh, we have a scholarship fund. It supports uh, four kids of uh, RCPD employees who are going to school. It's a $750 uh, college scholarship that is renewable for up to three years. And of course, there's a, a, a basic GPA requirement with that. All right. Well, that's a wonderful opportunity for mm-hmm. for the kids there. And uh, need to see it's already got $551 raised uh, in two gifts. So uh, consider that one as you uh, look at growgreenmanhattan.com. There's a lot of other local agencies to give to as well. There are a number of them. You were heavily involved in a couple of organizations. One is uh, Boys and Girls Club and then also Big Brothers, Big Sisters. And there's uh, many, many other organizations uh, that are, are very worthy. And, of course, you know, somebody was talking this morning, and, and really what it's about, it's about your heart and, and going with what your heart, uh, where your heart's at and giving in accordance with that. And, of course, Again, the great advantage is double your money. Absolutely. And uh, by the way, they have a running total on the top of the screen here. Uh, for all of the money raised so far, 320000 And we're only a few hours into this. So uh, keep those gifts coming here, growgreenmanhattan.com. Uh, and I know RCPD, uh, you know, we, we always talk about uh, the community activities you guys get involved with. And I'm sure you're busy again this weekend. Well, yeah, we've always got something going on. It seems like uh, we've uh, last year at this time was the first full year that we could get our food trailer out and about and doing things. And our first event was in June. I don't know if you remember last year, but mm-hmm. things really didn't start kicking off till around May, June, and people started realizing we can start doing things again. Well, this year. We've already had, I think, four or five events uh, w- involving the food trailer, and we're not even out of April yet. So, yeah, we've been uh, super active, and we got more things coming, too. Are you finding uh, it's a little easier to build some uh, relationships with people in the community because of that? I know that was kind of the goal. Yeah, I've I got to be honest. You know, my role up to this point has been trying to get everything going. So <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to remind myself of some of the lessons I learned uh, the year prior. And, and food prep is always, you know, tricky. It's a lot of fun, but it's it's also a lot of work. And we're reminding ourselves, uh, you got to get everything right and set up. And it, it takes uh, quite a bit of effort and a lot of teamwork to get it going right. I've had a lot of feedback. We've got a lot of dispatchers that are involved that come out and volunteer. It seems like almost every week uh, Captain Kyle's putting out an email asking for some volunteers for these events, and we've had great response from dispatch and all the other sections, but 
got a lot of positive feedback from dispatchers. You know, we're usually on a headset behind a phone. We're not seeing people in person. So that's been really one of the nice things for our section and our people is to get out and meet people face-to-face and be able to build those relationships, serving food or, or doing whatever they're doing at the event. Yeah, thanks for saying that. I appreciate that because uh, one of the things I've noticed, especially with the events this year, is hats off to the women of the Raleigh County Police Department because when we look at our volunteers, it's something in the neighborhood of 90 to 95% are women. Wow. And, uh, in fact, uh, dispatch supervisor uh, Nikki Baker has stepped up and has agreed to start kind of taking over more of the role that I've been doing, and, and uh, I'm finding myself more and more in, in a position where I can't uh, organize these things as much, and, and she's stepped up, and she thinks it's a wonderful program and is going to start becoming a big part of the success that it is. Now, if people want to uh, come out and see you guys tomorrow, you'll have a table at uh, Little Apple Pride? Yes, uh, we should. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know all of the details okay. uh, that's going on. I, I'm, in fact, I, I meant to leave a note for myself to get briefed on it uh, later today. Uh, I found myself suddenly out of the office, so I apologize for not being fully prepared. Uh, but the Manhattan P- Pride Parade is April 23rd uh, from noon to 4 p.m., and uh, we do have liaisons within the police department uh, for the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, I was there last year. It was a, it was a great opportunity uh, for us to interact with community, with a community that historically has not always um, had a lot of good feelings or thoughts about law enforcement. And I think we are in a position where we can show that uh, we're all people and uh, we want to make a connection. Uh, we're all part of the same community. All right. We already have a caller. Okay, we'll go to the phone lines. Robert is standing by. Robert, go ahead. We want to make sure with the new police administration that we have a clearance and all for using that food trailer when we have the next tornado or the next flood or some kind of situation like that where we need to serve the first responders in those kind of critical conditions. Thank you so much for your consideration. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, something I probably haven't really thought about that much is it is a, a great opportunity for us to be able to pull that onto it a, a scene, maybe at a command post, and use that to, to feed people that are are out working. That's a that's a great idea. Thank you. All right, yeah, appreciate the call. Well, you mentioned uh, I, I know uh, you said you're you're wearing a couple hats here right now, and and I realize that uh, you know, right now the director role is uh, vacant. Uh, it is uh, Kurt Mulder up in, in the. Uh, interim role there how is that search going at the moment and uh how are how are things being handled i guess behind the scenes <laughs> that's a great question thank you for uh, asking that uh i'm in a position where uh, i am um how do i want to say this i am like everybody else i get the information that you do through the paper and mm-hmm. that, and that's probably the way it should be it's a process that as you know needs to be uh, in the law uh, the law board's purview mm-hmm. and um, under their review and control. I know that they've been meeting on a regular basis, and I know they have a couple of meetings coming up that will be announced, and uh, they have been steadily working on this process. Uh, I'm on the board for the Boys and Girls Club uh, of Manhattan, and uh, they're in a similar situation. They have an interim uh, CEO and they're going through a process. Uh, the board is going through a process looking for a, a new CEO and a permanent one. And uh, it takes a while. It takes a while for boards. I mean, you've got a full-time job and you're a thousand of other responsibilities, including a home life. It's very, very difficult to get together. And when you do, you want to do it right. 
And so uh, I, I'm really glad for this opportunity to serve on this board because it's shown me what it's like to be on a board, and a very active board for an organization, and the difficulties that you have a lot of times trying to get schedules together and just trying to get everybody on the same page and moving forward. I'm not saying that there's any problems at all. It's just it's time-consuming. And I think that's something that people get impatient and they think, well, it's your, it's your job. Yeah, along with a thousand other things I've got going on. And uh, we want to make certain... I don't know my part on the board uh, for Boys and Girls Club, and I'm certain for the law board, they want to make certain they do the right things for the right reasons and make the right decisions. And so that's just going to take some time. Sure. Yeah. And hiring is a challenge right now. Uh, we, we hear that all over the place. Um, I think a lot of businesses are experiencing that. And uh, I think there's probably a sense in the community here that that process is going to take uh, some time here uh, before a candidate is, is ultimately announced. Yeah. Be patient. Be patient. They're going to do the right things for the right reasons, and uh, they're going to come up with the, the right person for the job. And before we know it, we're going to be moving forward uh, with a, a new director, and, and we will forget about this time. Uh, another thing we've got going on for us, and it's it's a it's a wonderful thing, is I've known Kurt Mulder my entire adult life, even before then. I knew him since I was in early high school. And um, I trust this guy. He's doing an amazing job. He's extremely well-liked. He knows everybody. Uh, he's uh, on vacation right now, so his emails bump over to me, and I'm starting to see how many people reach out to him <laughs> on a daily basis. And it's because he's so well-trusted, and he's, he's so well, uh, such a big part of this community. And so that's another thing that, that factors into this. He's made the decision that we are going to continue to move forward as an organization. You know, we're not going to wait and find out what the next director wants to do. Uh, we'll be ready for the next director. But in the meantime, we're going to continue to move forward as an organization. And the best example of that is, is planning. Uh, we went through this. This is the time of year we go through a big planning cycle that, that culminates in our budget discussions. And uh, he's established department-level goals for each division to, to meet. And that's, that's a great sign of us. We're moving forward. All right. Good to hear. Uh, we'll take our first break on the program, and we'll uh, talk more with Captain Kyle and Tyler Siefkis here in a moment. News Radio KMAN. We'll continue in a moment. And we're back on In Focus, News Radio KMAN. We're talking with our guests from the Riley County Police Department here this morning, uh, Captain Josh Kyle and uh, Communications Center Manager Tyler Siefkis. And I want to let uh, Tyler take the next segment here a little bit. I uh, want to talk a little bit about what's going on uh, right now. You guys are going through an accreditation process. Yeah, so as Captain Kyle mentioned, you know, we, even though right now the director's position is vacant, uh, like he said, things have not stopped. We're not slowing down. We're continuing on with initiatives throughout the department, and this is certainly one of them. Um, as I'm sure most people are aware, Riley County Police Department overall is an accredited law enforcement agency through the, uh, through the Commission on Accreditation of Law Enforcement Agencies, or CALEA, and we made the decision um, maybe around a year ago now to also seek communications accreditation through Kalia as well, and you know we have a small we have a, a part a small part of the overall accreditation of the police department as it stands. So we're already doing a lot of the things that come along with communications accreditation. But um, yeah, we're we're right now we've made our intent. Uh, clear to Kalia that we're we're seeking accreditation in the communications section. Now, what do you, what do you have to do differently here to 
get that level of accreditation you're seeking? Honestly, not too terribly much, and that's that's the good thing. I would say well over ninety percent of the of the things that we have to do, uh, we're already doing. Now that what we'll need to change is probably some more um, documentation. Um, maybe some different logistical things going on, mostly on the administrative side, which is a good thing uh, to to be organized like that and to uh, uh, just ensure that we're we're doing the things that we say that we're going to do. Right, that's kind of the overall point of accreditation. And uh, but not too terribly much when you get down to the line level. Uh, the dispatcher day to day is not going to to see much change, quite honestly. Um, the changes they will see are positive. Maybe some more training opportunities, some better uh, structured quality assurance from the, from the supervisors on down, and, and th- those are all positive things to come along with accreditation. Now, it's a voluntary program. You don't have to, you don't have to do this. You choose to do this, right? and, uh, and there's, there's a reason for that. Yeah. It, like I said, it's, it's to make sure that we are doing the right things um, and make sure that, you know, because accreditation involves a lot of different aspects, not just procedures, but, you know, 911 technology is changing every single day. And we're starting to see a lot more. um, We're finally catching up, I should say, in in the 911 industry to to, uh, the current technology. And, you know, text to 911, we implemented that in 2019. Uh, I came on this show back then with Director Butler and kind of talked about that. Accreditation makes sure that that's happening, that new technologies in 911, um, that we have that involvement with the community to make sure they know that, hey, now you can text, send a text message to 911. If you're in a situation where you can't call us, then you can text us. Things down the road like video uh, to 911 which is on the way. Um, what that will look like, we're not quite sure yet, but the capability is there right now. And so uh, accreditation makes sure that things like that um, are, are uh, that the community is aware of those technologies. That's just a small part of it, one example. Um, quality assurance program, a, a, a deliverable quality assurance program down to the dispatchers, um, that's another huge focus of accreditation. Um, so there's a lot of different aspects that will go into it, but they're all going to be a positive for our for our dispatch center. I want to ask you a little bit on the text to 911. I'm, I'm fascinated yeah. by that because I think we're seeing a generational shift here. The people are more comfortable texting than they are making phone calls. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, if, that, if there's any data on that or not, but – what is the percentage of text 911 you get versus phone calls these days? It's still pretty low, and that's what we want to see. The slogan is from the from the Kansas 911 Coordinating Council, you know, call if you can, text if you can't. And we, we definitely would always prefer a voice call. But there are certain situations, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, for the deaf or hard of hearing community, um, those people that are in maybe a, a domestic situation or an active burglary situation that should not be calling, they can now send a text message. So we're still probably, you know, right, single digit, maybe 10 or 11 text sessions per month uh, at, at the, the 911 center. But, uh, and, and that's, that's good. We would always prefer the voice call over the text call, but 
it, it's here and it's a it works fantastically well and so uh, we're, we're glad to have those types of technologies and and we've even got text messages now that that utilize Google translate. And so we can have text conversations in different languages with, with call, with, uh, with callers in an emergency situation. Oh, that's, that's certainly beneficial. And I know, uh, in your department, there's been challenges over the last few years with staffing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and as far as you meant, you bring up the language there, do you have uh, folks who speak multiple languages there? Yeah, we've had several dispatchers over the years that are, are bilingual. Um, we had a dispatcher at one point that actually spoke Mandarin, which actually came in handy a couple of times. It was pretty incredible to, to listen to a, a 911 call in Mandarin. But uh, we also utilize a, a language uh, translation service for if, if we don't have a bilingual speaker on on that uh, shift. Um, yeah, we uh, we've got a lot of different tools in in the tool bag to handle all those ki- types of calls. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, again, Tyler Seifkis joining us here from uh, the Riley County Police Department Communications Center. Josh Kyle, uh, administrative captain, joining us here as well. Uh, as far as uh, staffing is concerned, and, and I know we'll talk about that here a little bit, but uh, how comfortable are you with the, the staffing level you have right now in your department? Um, we have overcome some challenges over the last couple of years. Um, you know, when uh, Director Butler kind of sat us down, and made it very clear that that improving the staffing in dispatch was one of his main objectives, and we kind of came through that period. We sat down. He formed a committee. We sat down. We looked at recruiting and retention, some of the similar things that are going on in the corrections uh, section right now, and that committee has been formed, and we just we talked about ideas. Uh, we plugged in those ideas, and um, right now we're, we're good staffing-wise. We... Our minimum in the dispatch center is three at all times, and we're able to definitely staff adequately for that. People are able to take some time off. I've got a great staff of people right now, and that's sometimes that gets lost. You look at numbers a lot, but I like coming to work every day, and I hope my staff does too. They're they're a great group of, of, of folks, and um, that's maybe sometimes even more important to me than than being fully staffed. You know, I I don't know. Maybe it's just like a almost feels like a brotherhood. Like people who are in broadcasting, we really like the communications people. Sure. And so, like I, I've worked with people over the years who've gone after they do, don't do radio anymore, they go work in emergency communications. That happened uh, a few times when I lived in Nebraska. And uh, you know, it just it just seems like it's such a you guys are really the backbone of uh, policing here. It seems like. Well, I appreciate you saying that. We. Um we, we feel like, uh, you know, we are the first contact with people when they, when they call in for any kind of service, really, not just uh, police, although that is the, the, main, the majority of our, of our, you know, emergency calls involve the police in one way or, or another, but also dispatching for Riley County EMS, uh, Manhattan Fire Department, and, and our county fire folks as well. Um, so yeah, we've we've we wear a lot of different hats, and we are kind of the the informational hub, if you will, of of the police department. I feel like, and, and not always an easy job because you're you're talking to folks who are in in dire situations sometimes, and and you have to stay calm and you have to keep them calm. Certainly, that's that's one of the things about nine one one is your your every day is sometimes people's worst day, 
and our staff does an amazing job staying calm in those situations if necessary providing sometimes dispatch life-saving instructions uh, cpr over the phone and and they do such an amazing job every single day yeah i want to give a shout out to that you know there there are lifeline out there and uh they're the ones providing us with the information that we need to make the decisions that we have to make. And uh, that's a real-time situation. We need real-time, best available information to decide how we're going to proceed. Police are expected to escalate and de-escalate based on our information that we have. Uh, we're expected to uh, make the right decisions tactically based on information. That all comes from dispatch. And we're also expected to decide things like, should we be running red lights and sirens, which we know is potentially dangerous. It's all based on the information that dispatch gives us. One of the more dangerous things that we ever do is pursue vehicles. And sometimes we have to pursue cars, and sometimes we don't. And the, again, the only way we know is based on the real-time information that we get from the communication center and making those decisions. And so we really owe them a, a lot uh, everything from our safety to the community safety is a, a major linchpin in that is communications it's like our nervous system i mean it's just that's how you get the information that you need in order to make the decisions that keep people safe of course there's a lot of stress involved in, in those situations many times a after a situation has been resolved do you guys have some sort of you know, you know, detox or something for, for folks to, you know, kind of wind down from that or, or, or programs that are there for people if, if they need it? Yeah, we've got uh, systems set up in the in the police department with our peer support team um, at the PD. Uh, Sergeant Pat Titi does a great job with the, the peer support team. We've actually got uh, dispatchers on that, that team as well. And um, certainly critical incident debriefs, are, are a major part of that as well, to talking it out after, after the fact, after a, a major incident. So uh, we try to, to do our best to make sure that if they want to attend that, that they're, they're free to attend those debriefs after, after those bad calls. All right, very good. Well, we're going to continue on here in a moment. Got to take our second break here on the program, but we'll continue with RCPD here in a moment. You're listening to In Focus on K-Man. We're back here on In Focus, News Radio KMAN. I'm Brandon Peoples, Nick McNamara producing for us here. And we've got uh, Captain Josh Kyle and Tyler Siefkes from the Rowland County Police Department joining us this morning. And you know, I didn't cover the law board meeting this week. Nick did. Um, so I, I don't know as much other than just reading the news here. Uh, but I know that you guys have a salary or had a salary survey going uh, around the police department. And Kyle, uh, Josh, can you... Uh, Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So this predates uh, COVID, actually. So this isn't just uh, dropping out of the sky. We've been working on this for years. Uh, COVID did slow this whole process down. We haven't done a salary survey for at least about a decade, I think, maybe a little bit under. And even then, that was just a, a partial one. That did not include all positions. And uh, we were becoming aware, uh, even pre-COVID, that uh, our positions were starting to slip, and we needed to do an overall review. You know, you add positions here and there, and, and it gets to be a point where you need to take a holistic uh, approach and review of all of your job descriptions, which is exactly how this started. We put out an RFP, and we ended up selecting the Arnold Group. And the first thing they did is you need to update and review all of your job descriptions, uh, top to bottom, through the whole police department. And that's what we did. And then we had employee interviews, and uh, the Phil Hayes with the Arnold Group sat down with employees um, from every 
position in the police department and uh, conducted interviews and quickly determined that this department, as we've said many times before, is very different than other law enforcement agencies. Consolidation and accreditation and years of that, decades of that, have created a highly uh, professional environment. And, uh, and I'll give you just one super quick example. Uh, interviewing the, the jail commander, uh, Derek Woods, and started asking questions about what's different about our Riley County Jail compared to other jails you see. And it's clean, looks like a hospital. It's quiet, there's not a bunch of yelling going on, and it doesn't have a weird smell to it. Hmm. And, that, and you would kind of laugh, and think, but think about that. Think about working in an environment, even being incarcerated in an environment where there's constant yelling and screaming going on. It, it doesn't look good and doesn't smell good. It's going to create this whole different kind of environment. Well, we don't allow that to happen. We don't allow that to happen because of the professional standards that we have and the expectations that we have of each other. And so uh, it became apparent that if you're going to – uh, act like a professional and conduct yourself like a professional. Think of yourself as a professional and you can be paid like a professional. So uh, that started, uh, that's the science part of, a, of a, a pay study. You've got part science and part art. The real science um, underlying that is once all this was done, now we have to uh, have some sort of way of scoring all of these different positions out. They have something they call the Hay Method, and the Hay Method breaks job responsibilities down into nine different categories. And uh, the the Hayes Group, uh, the Arnold Group, I'm sorry, the Arnold Group uh, did a scoring on their own. Our human resources did a scoring, and I did a scoring. And we got in the room, and we compared and contrasted our different scores and ultimately came to a point where we, we agreed we were looking at the same things for the, for the right reasons. And that Hay Method is designed to take the subjective, which is your jobs and what you do, and, turning, and use an objective method of scoring everything out. So what is a dis dispatcher? How does that compare job responsibility to a corrections officer, to a police officer, to a person who works at the front counter, to an evidence technician? And so uh, th that allowed us to rank score um, all the different positions based on responsibilities. Well, now the art needs to kick in because inevitably what happens is if you do this and all you do is look at the subjective method, what you're going to end up with is a a lot of pay compression and you're going to end up with a salary schedule that doesn't look anything like what you had before. And that's because it can only account for certain things. And in our case, uh, the first responder community and the things that we go through are not really accounted for in something like the Hay Method. And that's okay. It's designed to do what it does, but now it's time to apply a little bit of art. And so what we realized is it didn't really account for the fact that police officers have to make decisions uh, life and death decisions every day doesn't really account for the fact that we have uh, constitutional rights that we have to take into consideration when officers are out in the field and a lot of the other high stress high pressure uh, the amount of training that's required to be a police officer didn't really account for those things so an eight percent adjustment was made uh, to all the law enforcement positions within the police department as a group we then took a look at corrections, recognized that it, uh, under the Hay Method, wasn't necessarily where it should be, especially in view of our previous salary chart. Uh, it doesn't account for things like um, getting into fights, uh, being attacked, being assaulted, um, being spit on, those kinds of things that happen in a correctional facility, and, and having to handle constitutional rights that occur within a correctional. Maintaining order in a correctional facility also involves making certain that you consider the constitutional rights of the inmates. And so a 4% adjustment was given uh, to the correctional officers. And then finally, uh, dispatchers have been recognized as part of the first responder uh, community by the governor. And uh, the Hay Method doesn't account for things like um, 
sometimes you have to listen to people die on the phone. It's unfortunate, but it does happen. And uh, these are the kinds of things. Uh, telling somebody how uh, Tyler was talking about earlier. Uh, you don't know how to do CPR? Okay, I'm going to tell you over the phone how to do CPR. That's not really accounted for. That level of responsibility, life and death, is not really accounted for under the Hay Method. So a 2% adjustment was uh, granted to all the dispatch positions. And once that was done, uh, the Arnold group then went out to market and explained in detail that you have to be really careful when you compare job titles because job titles are used different ways by different people. And so you have to be super careful that you are comparing apples to apples. So for example, you think something like, oh, you're a police officer, so we're gonna compare you to sheriff's deputy. Well, it turns out in this organization, sheriff's deputies only work in correctional facilities. Okay, so now you just compared an apple to an orange now. Uh, so uh, the next uh, thing that the Arnold Group had to do was go out and go to market on certain job positions that they were absolutely confident were apple to apple comparisons, and then look at the overall salary chart and say, does this fit? The answer is yes, and now we were able to move forward. Sorry for the long description. I know there's been a lot of questions about that. Uh, we were also the first organization to move forward with a, a, a um, salary scale or a study. And so uh, there's been a lot of attention and a lot of questions asked about it. So I want to make certain I gave a, a complete uh, description of it. Uh, in the end, uh, we would like to implement uh, this uh, salary survey in uh, two years. Our implementation is over a two-year period. Uh, with a 5.1% COLA, which is what the CPI Midwest calls for, and the uh, salary survey for, for this year, uh, we're looking at an 8.59% increase over the previous year's budget. We recognize that that represents a tremendous amount of money, but it, to us it's an investment. It's an investment in the future of this organization. As you indicated earlier, we've had a tremendous amount of problems recruiting and retaining personnel. The post-COVID job market has really changed things uh, significantly. I, I might later on talk about um, a sign-on bonus that we've had to take on just to try to get people in the door. And so we feel that in order to maintain the level of professionalism that people have come accustomed to and deserve, uh, that we're going to need to uh, make some bold steps over the next couple of years and make a serious investment in, in personnel pay. The total cost uh, for all of this as of right now stands at $3.4 million. Again, we're going to try to implement that over two years. But that also doesn't include what the COLA is going to be um, in next year. So that will be an additional cost on top of that. Just, just because I know some people will hear this and they – uh, it's hard to remember last year, but was there not a pay raise implemented last year for the law board or for, for police in the, at the law board meeting? Well, we've consistent law board's done a great job. And, and Arnold group mentioned this, that the one of the reasons we're not in more trouble is the law board has consistently granted uh, colas. And that's, what's kept us, you know, not uh, completely underwater here. The big thing that they said is RCPD, was a market leader for this area. We led the market, and for good reasons, right? Accreditation, consolidation, all the things, professional standards, all the things we've talked about. We've lost that. Uh, we, we had a slide during the presentation. We showed that all police departments around Kansas, that starting pay is higher than what we offer at the police department. Some of those agencies were really surprising to see that they were offering more. We've slipped. We've fallen behind. But to go back to your original question, uh, as far as pay raises are concerned, they come in the form of COLAs to keep up with the cost of living. Uh, we did, uh, going into 
the uh, 2021 budget, this was 2020, this was right when the virus was coming and, you know, couldn't be worse timing, right? You're asking for a budget right when word is, here comes the this plague that's going to hit America. And uh, the law board was very clear they wanted a 0% budget. So what happened was all of our employees went without merits uh, for a full year. Uh, we've never recovered from that. Uh, we've also did not get a COLA that year. We were able to get a 2% half-year pay adjustment uh, the next year. So we were able to recover from that part of it, but that didn't include all of that COLA. So we still have a partial COLA and uh, merits that never increased and, and we'll not be able to recover from. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, so you're playing catch-up essentially here yeah. at the, this point. And like you mentioned during the, the meeting, there were, there's other priorities that aren't happening with personnel and uh, I think three police officer positions that we were going to ask for that yeah. just can't happen right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to talk about a little bit because we were on the path as an agency to start, I don't want to say community policing because it's a loaded term and it means different things to different people, but certainly community-focused community outreach. We talked about the food trailer. We've dabbled in that. We've started to say we've always been an evidence-based policing agency and an intelligence-led policing agency. We've always focused our assets on those things that are known to work in those places where crime is known to happen. And it's been highly, highly effective. Uh, one of the things that, that Director Butler would always talk about, and he came from other agencies, and I think it, it added a lot of credence to what he said, is we're a lean police department, very lean compared to other organizations. And so comparative organizations. And so we take what assets we have and we put them right on target, utilizing those things that have been proven to exist, those methods that have been proven to exist. Well, okay, well, we can continue to do that. We can continue to identify ourselves as that kind of an agency, but can we also do community outreach? Uh, COVID and George Floyd all revealed the importance of, and we were going down this road before some of these things, but proved the importance of, you've got to stay in close contact with your community. You've got to be responsive to the community. So it's not just about crime and disorder control. It's also about community contact. And what different orga different organizations and different groups and different people said, including the Fair and Partial Policing Working Group, including the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, Inclusion Task Force with the city, they said, we want face-to-face -face contact with you. We want to see you, and we want to, whenever possible, develop relationships. And please make this a priority with children. You've got an entire generation of kids that are growing up never having any kind of a close association with a police officer. Um, that goes into the D.A.R.E. program. That's a long story. I won't get into that. But it, it showed that kids really need to have that positive, regular exposure to policing. Otherwise, they're going to have to rely on biases that they hear from media or from friends about the police if they don't get that contact. So we were poised to go in that direction. We were ready. That's what we wanted to do. We were going to ask for the things that Tyler talked about and really go into a, a, a strong community focus on top of these other initiatives that we've had in the past. And then the post-COVID job market hit. And now there's no point in asking for these positions and moving in this direction because community was telling us we're willing to pay for more police officers if that means you're going to be in closer contact with us. Okay, but we're not even, why even go in that direction when you can't fill the positions that you have because you're not competitive any further? Well, it's certainly a, a challenging issue right now. And, you know, I, I covered the school board meeting the other day and you know, they're having a bus driver shortage, and the salaries are pretty good. Uh, I think they were saying around $50 an hour. I don't know if that's an exact amount or not, but the money's there if people want to drive a bus. 
how I mean, you can throw as much money at, at uh, trying to recruit and retain, but uh, essentially, isn't it kind of a people issue too? I mean, trying to get people here. How, how does RCPD compare to, like, let's say, you know, Johnson County or, or or somewhere else here? Are we how far behind? I guess are we on the salary structure? Would you say? Yeah, that's always hard to say. Uh, I do know, and I don't want to name out communities because for different varying reasons, um, you either have where well, you're comparing yourself to Kansas City or you're comparing yourself to Topeka or Wichita, where well, those are urban markets, sure. or, or you're comparing yourself to agency. What's wrong with that? This agency makes a little bit more than you guys, you know? So that's, that's a, a difficult thing to get into. It, it goes back to the art and science of the salary survey and the fact that we used a as, as much science as possible and then at the, at the end applied some art to get us to the point where we feel like we can justify well and I know the Arnold group job is to justify and explain and defend uh, their work even if it comes down to a court challenge so we feel very strongly our human resources director uh, said this is the the most vetted salary survey that she had ever seen it involved uh, us rolling this out to our employees first and involved a communication plan. Um, but to answer your question, there's some agencies in Kansas that are starting pay more than RCPD, and it's actually very surprising to us to see that. Mm-hmm. So we are, we are definitely no longer competitive. And the real problem here, especially over time, is you're going to lose that talent. Uh, you're going to lose talent, and you're not going to be able to attract talent to replace them. There's always been a, a fairly high turnover rate in policing. It's somewhere around 10%. I think at times we've had 14. Uh, and so we understand that. We get a lot of turnover in dispatch. We get a lot of turnover in the police and the corrections. It, it happens. We're, we're dealing with young people who have lives, and we're a very transient community. But that even then adds to more to the point. You've got to keep that talent coming into the organization. Some will stay. A lot will go. But that's okay. We've got very strong training programs. But if you can't get the talent in the door in the first place, it doesn't really matter how good your training programs are. All right. Very good. Good conversation here. And uh, we'll continue on. We're going to take a break. And uh, final segment of In Focus is next year on K-Man. We're back here on In Focus, News Radio KMAN. Brandon Peoples, Nick McNamara here in, in uh, studio with Captain Josh Kyle and Tyler Siefkis, Communications Center Manager here for RCPD. And uh, got just a few minutes here left. We've been talking about uh, staffing and, and such, and I know RCPD is hiring, so I'll let you get a plug in there if you want uh, as far as uh, recruiting. We've got a number of open positions. Uh, I, th- I believe all the main three are open, police officers, corrections officers, and I believe dispatch yes. is open as well. Yep. And so uh, we're, we're full open uh, trying to hire for all of these positions. And we also happen to have a civil, civil process technician, which, what is that? Well, uh, as we are by state statute, the sheriff's agency and police department uh, for all of Riley County, and so sheriff's agencies serve court papers, and this is the person that makes certain that all the court papers are accurate and correct and get distributed properly. Okay, very good. Well, as far as, uh, you know, this week, what's been going on here, I I know you were at the Scorpion announcement here on Monday. What did you think about uh, that whole thing? It's super exciting. Anytime you have the governor of the state coming in to give an announcement, it's really exciting for this entire region. I've lived in this community my, my whole life. Well, okay, I was born in Wichita, but, you know, a little toddler, I got here to Manhattan. I've been here ever since. And um, we were told years and years ago when there was just talk of Imbath, there was just being whispered 
that if this were to happen, it's going to spin off and generate a tremendous amount of other business and, and other interests in this area. And this appears to be what may be the tip of an iceberg coming into this area with MBAF not even fully open yet. So it's really exciting. Um, it's something that Manhattan uh, area has always kind of struggled with. As Ned Seton says, we're a government town. And so uh, historically, and I think this is the first time I'm seeing that starting to change in this community. Uh, without you know disparaging any other industry that we have in the area, it's the first big, big, big thing I've seen come to this area that that didn't appear to be a strictly government. Yeah. Tyler, were you there, or did you? I wasn't, but uh, I same thing. I I live in the area, um, and I had you know heard some talk of of some sort of major announcement coming, and it, it is it's extremely exciting. Um, especially once 24 gets done. <laughs> uh, but, but it is, it's, there will be some, some challenges. We, you know, we have an area right now of a portion of, uh, uh Pottawatomie County in, in the Manhattan city limits. And we've, you know, as dispatchers that creates not, not hardships or anything, but you have to be communicative with, you know, uh, Pottawatomie County Emergency Services as well, and and we do a both ways do a really nice job of that. And uh, you know, the Island Annex out at, out at Southport, and then um, you know, east of Tuttle Creek Boulevard. And um, but it is it's it's even grown since I've you know I came to K State in the early two thousands, and I've probably lived here more now than I did where I grew up in Hutchinson, and it's. It's just continuing to get bigger and bigger, and I don't think there's any slowing down in that going forward. So who who gets called out for complaints on Highway 20? Do you guys take complaints on the Highway 24 stuff, even though it's in Pottawatomie County? It's concurrent jurisdiction uh, between RCPD and, and the Pottawatomie County Sheriff's Office. And, and then when you talk about um, fire department, fire response, you know, MFD, uh, the Manhattan Fire Department, responds to Manhattan city limits and then you have the EMS agencies so our dispatchers do a great job of of uh, knowing exactly where those calls are and who needs to respond to those but yeah it's uh, it, it's an interesting interesting area there yeah well the, I, I drove the traffic the other day it wasn't as bad in the uh, two o'clock time or one one o'clock time frame five o'clock I don't know I've heard I've heard stories so uh, zipper merge. I, I keep hearing people zipper merge. That's that's the appropriate way to get through that one. Line. My car is very dirty right now, so I uh, because there are dirt roads in in uh, rural Pottawatomie County that yeah. have served me very well around the the five o'clock uh, drive time mm-hmm. as of late. So, very good. but it, yeah, it's uh, it, it gets backed up. It certainly does. Uh, is there anything else here? But we uh, got just about a minute here left. Uh, that you guys want to plug real quick? I just always want to give a shout out to the Big Brothers Big Sisters of Kansas, uh, major players in in the community, uh, supported by research which demonstrates that kids that are involved that have a big are uh, have greater self esteem, less likely to resort to aggression to deal with their issues, and uh, Boys and Girls Club of Manhattan. Big shout out to them. 
they also have significant research which shows that kids who go to Boys and Girls Club are more likely to graduate from high school. We know that kids that graduate from high school are far less likely to be involved in crime than uh, those that don't. So both organizations doing great things, part of a much larger umbrella of organizations, so they're well supported uh, within our community and even on a national level. And they're both uh, proven to keep kids out of trouble, which is one of the biggest things that we like to see. What better way to prevent crime than kids not ever getting involved in crime in the first place. So hats off to both of them. All right, Tyler, anything else? Uh, Just, uh, they may be listening right now, so Shout out to Chase and his dispatch crew uh, working right now. I'm going to be a little bit more selfish. If you have any interest in seeing what we do, people don't think about coming in and sitting sitting in a lot, you can contact the PD, and we can set that up, and there's still time to put in if you want to uh, have a career change and come in and be a dispatcher. All right, very good. Well, Tyler, good to see you here. Captain Cal, good to see you as well. Thank you. Thank you. That's going to wrap up In Focus today. Coming up uh, Monday on In Focus, we'll have uh, Sunset Zoo. Melissa Kirkwood will join us. We're also going to talk with some members of the Manhattan Public Library about their upcoming book sale. And I swear, I see Captain Kyle everywhere I go. So (laughs) your face is everywhere. You're very prominent in the community these days. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I see you as well when I recognize (laughs) you because every time I see you look a little bit different. I don't try, but it just works out that way. <laughs> For those of you out there who want to check this out again, newsradiokman.com or our SoundCloud account, 1350KMAN on Facebook as well.